from veg to flowers and all things in between. The best gardening advice online from World Radio Gardening. Ken's top gardening tips will help you get your blossoms beautiful this season. So March is upon us and we're getting ready to enter the Easter season. And Ken, what are your top jobs for the garden at the moment? I was going to say with most people, Easter, you're quite right, is the start of their season. They don't go out in the garden till Easter. (laughs) They don't cut the grass till Easter. But they should have done. So I would actually say... Cutting the grass has got to be, if you haven't done it before, must be the top job that you do. Cut that lawn. But if you're going to cut it perhaps for the first time or the second time this since the winter, I would not cut it very short. You cut it quite long, just top it, and then slowly reduce the height. And never, if it's wet or muddy, Leave it alone and do it when conditions are much better. That's got to be the number one. The lawn sets a garden off. And then secondly, edge it. If you've got ordinary edges, cut them with a nice pair of edging shears. We use bulldog tools. They're still the best, I reckon. They're still the best edging shears that you can buy. And with a lawn... You know, you might have holes, you might have patches. Is it the right time of year to seed those patches? Yes, and this year has been quite tricky because when I compare it with last year, um, last year we had a very mild spell in February running into March, and we were doing seeding in late February, beginning of March. This year we haven't been able to do that because of the hard frosts during that period. So as we get towards the latter end of March, into April and up to Easter, ideal, you need the temperatures above, above about five or six degrees to actually get seed to germinate. So it is quite important that you don't waste your seed. Grass seed is quite an inexpensive material, but it still costs money. You need to, if you've got bare patches, is use a scarifying rake, rake it out really thoroughly, and then I just throw seed on top. A lot of gardening books and gardening programs show you sifting fine soil over the top. I've never bothered and I've always had pretty good results. The birds eat a little bit. It has got anti-bird stuff on it, but the birds eat a bit anyway. So my attitude is give a bit to the birds and then the rest will grow and it seems to work quite well. And the other tip, you've, you've done a video on the YouTube channel showing how to do this, but patching with turf. Yeah, patching with turf is the same sort of thing. And particularly edges of lawns get damaged quite severely. And if you're cutting, what you do is you, particularly an edge, you just lay the turf on the edge. Go around it with your half moon. Now, half moon is basically a half moon blade. If you haven't got one, don't use a spade. It'd be better to mark it out honestly with a bread knife than you would with a spade. Because remember, a spade is curved. Therefore, you don't get it straight. Can't buy yourself a half moon. But anyway, half moon, mark it out and then just lift that bit of old soilish, poor quality turf that's underneath and then you can patch the new bit in. And you can do that that anywhere on a lawn. Female dogs are a particular problem, aren't they, for, for holes on lawns? 
Yeah, female dogs are the major problem because uh, their urine is particularly uh, strong and it infects the, it dies completely unless you dilute. I mean, they always say, oh, put a bucket of water. How many people watch their dog and they go out and put a bucket of water? Seriously, you're going to end up with patches. So yes, you could cut turf in or you could actually rake it out after a month or so and then seed as we talked about earlier. Exactly. And daffodils, uh, it's the time of year for daffodils. They're already in the ground, aren't they? They're already in the ground, but you can... A lot of people think, oh, well, I've missed it. But if you go to a garden centre, you can see there are areas, masses and masses of daffodils, dwarf, sometimes larger daffodils, all in containers. So if you want to plant up your pots and brighten the garden up generally, go and buy them and plant them in the ground, and then you can leave them in the ground and they'll come up next year. So they're never a wasted thing. Bulbs bought growing or not growing are never wasted. Exactly, and tulips will be on the way very shortly, won't they? No, you won't believe it. You can buy all those as well in pots <laughs> as well. But tulips, of course, um, and in fact, on one of the uh, YouTube videos, we're showing how we planted some tulips very deeply in a lady's garden, something like a spade depth down. And in fact, I'll be trying to take pictures of those in the coming weeks because they're just emerging and the buds are starting to show. And that's their second year. They're in clusters of bloom. I think they were white and then a, a blacky purple colour. And if you plant deep a tulip, which, OK, you're going to buy in the autumn, but you plant them deep, about a, a spade depth foot down, they kept cool during the summer. And if you keep a bulb cool during the summer, it will last a lot, lot longer. And in fact, they should go on for several years in the ground. Hyacinths are another bulb that's flowering at the moment as well and producing beautiful scents as well. Yeah, the thing about hyacinths is they're expensive to buy, whether you're buying them as a dry bulb in the autumn or even as a bulb in a pot at this time of the year. Because they're expensive, they're generally used in pots and containers, but by the front door or by the house. I mean, you're quite right, the perfume's fantastic. I like to do single colours. I would have, say, all creamy yellow, all blues or all pinks. But you can buy them now. But it's, it's a reminder. When you see all these bulbs, it's a reminder. Make a note that in the autumn, you're going to go and buy these bulbs, plant them in the ground, because they're actually cheaper than buying them in a pot. And just turning to other kind of jobs that you do at this time of year, is it, is it the right time to be starting to prepare, say, hanging baskets, getting all the pieces in place for that? It's you're still on winter baskets and you will be. You can't put a hanging basket out till May. However, if you've got a glass house or a greenhouse that's fairly frost protected, you could start to buy plants possibly next month. You can buy them in garden centres, plug plants, and you could actually plant your baskets up during the perhaps mid to late April and you could then get them going very much towards may with lots of growth in them do watch night temperatures because they play tricks on you you can have frosts right up to the middle of may well that's the thing isn't it and in the uk snow has been forecast potentially very soon as well i'll tell you what it's it's great to live in britain isn't it because <laughs> if you live in britain you've got very variable temperatures and they really do change i mean if you think back 
through the last few weeks. We've had temperatures of 12s and 14s, but then we've had minus threes and fours. And that temperature drift from one to another is really difficult to deal with. And in fact, another uh, one that I'm going to go back on and look at is that I've talked a lot um, about covering um, apricots and protecting them. Now we protected with um, fleece and I'll be going back and looking at the apricots to see whether the fleece has actually protected enough as the fruits start to emerge. Um, the leaf and the small fruit will appear at about the same time so I'm going to check whether they've actually fertilised or not. <laughs> and uh, rhubarb as well, that's something that needs to be covered in the ground. Yeah, rhubarb again. My old dad used to put old buckets over crowns of rhubarb. The crown is where all the stems come from. And he used to put old buckets and a bit of straw in it. And what happens then is as it emerges, it'll be it's forced rhubarb. And you'll get uh, stems much earlier in the year. They'll be pinker because they're getting no light. It's worth doing. And you can do it at this time of the year. And don't do it to all your rhubarb crowns, but do it to a couple because it does take extra strength from the base of the plant, so it's wise to only do one or two crowns. The best gardening experts from around the globe are here to help you. Watch our YouTube channel. Search online for World Radio Gardening. Now this year I'm hoping to get some pumpkins from seeds I saved from a pumpkin last year going. Right. And uh, also some courgettes as well because I think they're quite easy things to grow. Right. Just pop the seeds in and let them go. Is that is that the right thing? That is. You can use seed from seeds. You might not necessarily get the true type that you've already taken it from. However, it's worth trying and seeing how they grow. But again, people sow them too early. You can't put a courgette or a pumpkin out till mid-May. Now, if you did that too early, you're going to have a plant in your, in your house that is, will go soft and soft, and then when you put it out, it'll get damaged. So the secret to that is mid-April at the earliest, you want to start those seeds off. If you haven't got a greenhouse, you could start them off on the windowsill. Now, I know you've been planting roses recently, and particularly David Austin roses. Uh, so is there a rose coming up for the King's coronation, do you think? 
Do you know, I haven't followed that. You've caught me out there. <laughs> no. I don't know, but there's sure to be, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there's, there the, there's, there's golden wedding anniversary, isn't there? That yeah. doesn't quite work. But uh, there's usually one. I think there's one named after the Queen, isn't there? Queen yeah, Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth's quite an old one. I think Queen Elizabeth was actually not after this Queen. It was the previous oh. Queen Elizabeth, I think. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, Queen Elizabeth's a super rose, pink, very tall, very, very strong rose, often mm -hmm. used as hedging even. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we'll wait and see on that one, shall we? Yeah. Um, I, my parents planted a beautiful white rose the other year, which was Emily Bronte, named after the, the author. Really good, really good rose that's going strong. But with roses, you were, you were mentioning a few of the things that you have to watch with planting at the moment. Yeah, roses are tricky because so often a rose goes, well, I suppose runty would be the word, where it just deteriorates. And honestly, dig it out, throw it away, because you can only, I can say you can only keep roses going for so long, but you can keep a rose going for 25, 30, 40, 50 years. But if they get in poor condition, I always think, why bother? Why not go out and get something decent and put it back in? Now, the problem with roses is, in the old days, the thing we used to do, and I have done this as a youngster, is actually dug out a rose bed completely, all the soil down to about a foot deep, imported fresh soil, put the fresh soil in the rose bed, and then planted a new load of roses. I did that in my very early youth days when I was feeling a bit stronger. However, we, we've, they've discovered over a number of years, if you add micro-rhizo, uh, which is, um, basically uh, already exists in the soil it's basically a fungi and the fungi attaches itself to the roots of a rose and it will help it strengthen the root and encourage it to produce small white feeding roots and will overcome the thing that we call rose sickness so it is worth using it and if you're buying roses from say Austin's that you mentioned, mm. they can sell you a packet of that as well. And it's well worth it. You have to dig the hole and you have to see that you add this around the root before you put the soil and compost back round. Talking of which, I always like to add a bit of compost and mix that into the soil as you put it back round as well. So you're adding two things to try and encourage it. And then the other thing with roses is, as we go into spring, give it a good rose fertiliser. Don't use just general fertiliser. Use a rose fertiliser. It's got added nutrients that really help it. And just turning our attention to other jobs in the garden for, for March and April, um, because it's becoming quite a busy time for when people are getting ready to putting out their bedding plants, um, what sort of kind of plants would you recommend for, for a herbaceous border? Herbaceous borders are becoming more and more popular. And in fact... I think you have to consider, you know, what you want. And the trick is, with herbaceous borders, is I believe, is that you need to go to your garden centre or nursery roughly every six to eight weeks. <laughs> and that way you can plot what flowers at a specific time. Okay. And that way you can get groups of plants that will flower, say, in April, and then you can follow it through May, June, and through... To into the summer period for instance you know hellebores are looking fantastic at the moment you know christmas roses some lovely colors of those and if you put those in the garden 
now while they're in flower you can see what you're getting and if you want lupins you buy them when they're growing and you can see what you're getting and i think that's really important lupins you wouldn't buy till late may and they'd be flowering the next month or so mm. so that's how i do it and what about fuchsias things like that that's a popular plant hardy fuchsias are well worth growing because they'll keep on going year on year um and those, again, you're really going to buy again when they're in growth. I don't like buying too much stuff in nurseries and gardens unless you can see them growing. Then you know what you're getting. Fuchsias, and then if you want to plant other fuchsias, which give you different colours, different blooms, you'll be better to buy any fuchsia, but realise that they're not the hardy ones. Do watch out. There's two types, your non-hardy and your hardy ones. So it's really important to remember. And we're told that because of the cold weather, apple blossom is not out yet. So that's maybe yeah. delaying the apple season. That's right. It might be a bit later. It's, it, nature's very clever. It does catch up with itself. And as I said right earlier on about the apricot, apricots finish flowering, believe it or not. But soon you'll get the plums. You can see in the hedgerows, we're getting uh, some of the plum varieties. You're getting slow. The blackthorn is flowering. And you'll see over a period of time that we'll work into cherries. Cherries will start to flower, then we'll plums, and then apples, pears. Yes, it is a bit later, but I tell you what, you've only got to have a week of decent weather and it will catch up very, very quickly. Thanks, Ken. And do watch the YouTube channel, worldradiogardening.com. From veg to flowers and all things in between. The best gardening advice online from World Radio Gardening. Ken's top gardening tips will help you get your blossoms beautiful this season.